Proverbs chapter 31, so there's a, there's a big book, as you know, the book of Psalms, right after that is Proverbs, like I say, basically the middle of your Bible, the last chapter of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 31, So the very first Sunday of July, uh, Pastor James, who prayed for us this morning, preached God's word in a very helpful way from Ephesians 2. Uh, The week before that, at the end of June, was Pastor Ben uh, preaching from Amos. Um, Probably the only thing that could have made that sermon better, it was a great sermon, was if Ben dressed up as a minor prophet or something. And the last two weeks, we have been looking at some issues of Christian ethics like abortion and alcohol. We want to continue that today. Uh, But the primary thing that we want to do today really is the same thing as every Sunday, is just to let the text speak. And we've also been looking in the book of Proverbs here in July, the last few weeks. And so we'll do that again, um, at least for today, we'll do that again. And so here we are, Proverbs 31. Let's pray together. Lord, we pray that you would open your word to us. Uh, We know that the Bible clearly teaches that all of the Bible, and that includes the Old Testament, points forward to our Lord Jesus Christ. We we don't, don't always understand exactly how that would look in a book of Proverbs, but we do know for sure, we do know that when we think about wisdom, we see wisdom incarnate in our Lord Jesus Christ. And so help us through Christ. Lord, I pray that my brothers and sisters would be comforted. Oh God, would the saints, would your saints be encouraged, comforted, built up? My prayer for all of us would be that we would be sanctified, that we would be set apart through our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, as James prayed earlier, that for those who have never been, we might say, sanctified for the first time, set apart, in Jesus Christ, saved. Lord, may this indeed be the day of salvation through Jesus Christ. Help me, O Lord. Help us. Help me in our weakness. Build your church. May your kingdom come. May your will be done. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please give careful attention to Proverbs 31, verse 10. Proverbs 31, verse 10. An excellent wife, who can find? She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. Proverbs 31, 12. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household 
and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. Verse 26 and 27, and then that's it for right now. Look at verse 26 of Proverbs 31. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. The title this morning could be uh, The Proverbs 31 Woman Reconsidered. But let me assure you that this morning I don't want to only think about the Proverbs 31 woman. I do. I do want us to think about that. As I said, the Proverbs 31 woman reconsidered. But as we're thinking about, as I said, ethics and Proverbs, I want us to think about the family, the family and Proverbs. Theologian John Frame says this. He says, the family is the basic unit of human society. You know that? The family is the basic unit of human society. All the institutions of society begin in the family. To children, parents are rulers. To children, parents are rulers, educators, providers, and evangelists. All other forms of authority are extended forms of fatherhood and motherhood. So John Frame, he's a good brother. Uh, he's served the Lord well. He's getting older. He's got, a, he's got a good bit to say about the family. And as I say, I want us to keep that in mind this morning in Proverbs 31, 10 through 31. I thought I'd just share with you for a minute. He says various things. He talks about, you know, sometimes corporal punishment is necessary. Hey, that's something that Proverbs talks about a good bit, actually. He has this to say about corporal punishment. Christians should resist much more strongly. This is his opinion. Christians should resist much more strongly the present movement to forbid spanking or even to define it as child abuse. In biblically ruled households, children honor their parents and they learn to honor authority. So, of course, be careful. We don't go from the, from the sermon and say, hey, now it's time to spank. Might be, but it's just another thing that Frame brings up that has to do with the family. He says, and I'll finish it with this, the family then is God's means both of dominion and of redemption. The family is God's means both of dominion and redemption. Well, as we look at the family and, and Proverbs this morning, I'll say it yet again, we've been looking at these ethical issues, and so last week we looked at the issue of abortion. 
And I'm not trying to say that Proverbs 31 speaks directly about modern American abortion, but look at verses 8 and 9. Notice the context. Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and needy. Proverbs 31 verses 8 and 9 is not speaking directly about abortion, but it is is in keeping with other passages of Scripture that tell us to lend our voice, to lend our strong voice to those who have no voice, to lift up and cry aloud for those who are being, as one place in the Scripture says, carried away to slaughter unjustly. And that, that surely pertains to the modern Holocaust, which is abortion. So I think there's implication in verses 8 and 9 for what we talked about last week. Well, what we talked about two weeks ago is clearly here in this chapter. And that's when we talked about alcohol. And one thing that I said two weeks ago was that alcohol, uh, wine, that's, that's the word that the Bible uses most of all. Uh, when referring to alcoholic beverages, it uses the word wine or strong drink, which could be translated beer. One thing that we said was that wine is a created good from God. It's a good thing. It's a, it's a created good. Of course, we also know that we live in a fallen world. And we also understand, of course, that, that alcohol can become idolatrous. And we also understand that it it's really is foolish. It really is to to play around with something, especially if you know that you have a proclivity towards towards drunkenness, which is always sinful. Drunkenness is always sinful. So if, if you know you have any type of proclivity towards that, or even if you don't, we said in the sermon as well, there, there's, no, uh, there's no harm in just choosing, and just choosing to be a uh, abstain. But we also wanted to be careful to say, 1 Timothy, that it is a created good. Notice what it says here in this chapter about the ethical issue that we looked at two weeks ago. Verse 4. Verse 4. It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to take strong drink, lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. Give strong drink to the one who is perishing and wine to those in bitter distress. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. Well, lest I beat a dead horse, I just wanted to review briefly with you. We did alcohol in Proverbs, abortion last week in Proverbs, the family in Proverbs. Here's the game plan. A little bit unusual for my sermons. I have one point, one point, but then... I'm going to sneak in there uh, five things. We're going to ask the question, so what? One point, which is a question, and then we're going to say, so what? So what? And then we're going to have just five things under so what, okay? That's where we're going. So here is the one point, the body of the sermon, if you will. And it's a question. Who is the Proverbs 31 woman? Proverbs 31 woman reconsidered. Who is she? Who is the Proverbs 31 31 woman? Excuse me. 
I don't think I've ever uh, publicly taught directly on this passage. I was uh, teaching one time, and I was teaching from Proverbs, but not about this issue, and I, and I referenced this, and um, I, I think sometimes it may be the case that, that ladies, and maybe you would even say, yeah, that's me, like you, you might even have like a visceral reaction to this chapter. And so I was teaching on this. I was not teaching on this direct subject. I referenced the Proverbs 31 woman, and I was pulled aside after the service by a lady who, who was discouraged. And uh, the, the reason that I think she was discouraged is because even as we read this, did you notice, you see, I mean, it's, you could look at it. You could look at it as superwoman, right? Wonder woman. And you, and you say, wow, I mean, this lady does everything. And so the, the concern was, you know, I, I don't receive that well. You know, that, that's not fair. This is, this is almost like a perfect woman when you read about this woman here. And, and my response to that is my response to that is mainly, mainly is, is that's not a helpful response. But at the same time, I do want to acknowledge I want to acknowledge that this woman can seem quite the woman. I want to acknowledge that for some women it may even be a, a heavy weight perhaps, but, but surely, surely that does not mean that we can't talk about this passage. Surely that doesn't mean that because it may, uh, it, it may offend or it may make me feel bad because I feel like I don't measure up. Surely that doesn't mean that we don't talk about it. In today's society. No, 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 not at all. Uh, as I'm going to say, I think this is a, I think this is a real woman and not just some type of idea. So who is the Proverbs 31 woman? Who is she? Answer number one to that question. How about this? How about Ruth? Ruth. Let me read something to you. And he said, who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And he said, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, and that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, this is Ruth 3.11. You can just mark it down for later. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. For all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. That's actually the very similar language. When Boaz says to Ruth, you are a worthy woman. That's precisely what's going on here in Proverbs 31. He goes on to say, and now it is true that I am a redeemer. Yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Ultimately, we are grateful for Jesus Christ, our Lord, the kinsman redeemer if we know of that biblical truth. In, 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 in many Hebrew Bibles, so in the Bible that Jesus would have used, so there's nothing wrong with our Bibles, same Old Testament books, but in our Bible and in many Hebrew Bibles, they would have been arranged differently. You see, so in many Hebrew Bibles, Ruth comes right after Proverbs 31. So I'm not saying that the Proverbs 31 woman is literally Ruth, I am saying it may not be an accident that Ruth comes right after Proverbs 31 in many Hebrew Bibles and that at the very least, Ruth 
serves as a great illustration of this woman. So this is our main point right here. Who is the Proverbs 31 woman? Answer number one, Ruth. Answer number two, she is the ideal Israelite woman. The ideal Israelite woman. Now notice Proverbs 31, 10 through 31. Here's how you can think about this passage. In verses 10 through 12 is the introduction, and we see her value. We see the value of the excellent wife or the Proverbs 31 woman. Verses 10 through 12, her value. Verses 13 through 27, we see her activities. You can tell by far this is the bulk of the passage. This is the body of the passage, her activities. Verses 13 through 27. Verses 28 through 31 is her praise. We see her value, her activities, and then finally in verses 28 through 31, her praise. Now, we didn't read that yet, so look at verse 28, and think about the family. Think about this. This is not just about the woman. In one sense, listen to me, in one sense, this passage is about lady wisdom. In the context of the book of Proverbs, there is dame, you know dame, right? There's dame folly and dame wisdom. So in one sense, this is the the culmination, the climax. She represents lady wisdom. Oh, young men, get wisdom. All of you, all of you get wisdom. Do whatever it takes to know Jesus Christ and to follow him. But I want you to see verse 28. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Notice the family. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful. I'm, I'm, I'm glad Ben's not here right now. He's taking care of some things on the farm. It's his weekend for the turkeys, but he'll, he would not like this. I'm too corny, but, you know, there's an old DC talk song. talks about the Proverbs 31 woman. talks about this charm is deceitful and that beauty is vain. She's that kind of girl. What kind of girl? But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. That's, that's the whole thing right there. That's the whole thing. And, and I hope, I hope some of you, when I was speaking earlier, I hope some of you ladies was, were thinking, I don't even know what you're talking about. This, this uh, Proverbs 31 woman kind of crushing certain ladies. Maybe some of you said, what are you, and that's good. Because the issue, listen, the issue is not, first of all, to say, I'm going to do these things in my strength. It's just like the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7. Matthew 5 through 7 is like one of the most wonderful parts of the Bible. But you don't go to the Sermon on the Mount and say, I'm going to do this in my own strength. That's to fail right out of the gate. That's not why it was intended. Sermon on the Mount was not intended for us to do our best. In many ways, it's intended for us to see, wow, perfection points up my sinfulness. And the perfection here, the same thing is true here. This is not intended for, for ladies, for women to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. No, God will help you to do this if you fear him. 
If you know wisdom, which is to say, if you know Jesus Christ, that is the foundation for everything. That's it right there. Do, are you a God-fearing woman? Do you know the Lord? Do you love the Bible? Do you love Jesus Christ? Are you unashamed to say, I am a Jesus follower? I say to you that verse 30 is the warp and the woof. It is everything. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And he goes on in verse 31. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Would you keep your place for just a moment and turn to chapter 1? Chapter 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord. You see that? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. You really, you, you think you're wise and you think you're smart, but apart from Jesus Christ, Wisdom incarnate, we have no knowledge. The fear of the Lord, the fear of I am, the fear of Yahweh, the proper fear of, not the, not the craven fear of the Lord, but again, Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. That is the theme of the whole book right there. And so when you compare that to 3130, to 3130, you see that, who is the Proverbs 31 woman? Well, Ruth, by way of illustration. She is the ideal Israelite woman. Why? Because she fears the Lord. That's in all of its simplicity. That's it. So, so we actually don't say, we don't say, oh, this this passage holds up such a high standard that it crushes me. We can see why that would, you could possibly feel that way. But we see here that for the ancient Israelite 14 year old girl, that this was something to aspire to. And, and, and this is not just to uh, mothers, and this is not just to married women. I've already said it's not just to women, it's for the family. But this is also for all women. This is something to aspire to, but we don't aspire to perfection in our own strength. We fear the Lord. And we say, God, by your grace, you, you've made me who I am. If you have a husband, you, you've made him who he is. You're sovereign. You're good. You've put us together. And I aspire to this in grace through the Holy Spirit. She is the ideal Israelite woman. She's a, she's a real woman. This is a picture of lady wisdom, of dame wisdom. But it's a real woman. I was reading an article last night, and I, 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 love, I, I love to see Jesus in the Old Testament. I think it's appropriate. Jesus himself says in Luke 24 that we should see him in the Old Testament appropriately. But I was reading an article and 
And I think he, he wanted to go so quickly to Jesus and he wanted to so not offend people. He wanted to, to be so careful, this guy in this article from, from the Gospel Coalition. He wanted to tiptoe and be so careful not to make women feel bad. That's, that's not what we need. We need to see Jesus Christ, our Savior. We all need to see that we need a Savior. We all need to see that we need to fear the Lord. No, this is a real woman. This isn't just a picture. This is a real woman. Well, there we go. Before we ask the question, so what? Just notice her activities. Notice her activities in verses 13 and following. The, uh, uh, the main thing this talks about is her economic activities. Her economic activities. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchants. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household. You see that in verse 15, she rises while it is yet night. Verse 28, her children rise. She rises, children. Oh, I'm so grateful for godly women. So grateful for godly women. Boys and girls, are you grateful for your mother? Are you grateful? Oh, there is a word for husbands here. There is a word. For, you know, the word husband is also a verb to husband. What does to husband mean? It means to cultivate. The word husband's not just a noun. It's also a verb. Men, are we cultivating our wives? Because verse 28 says, her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also. Her husband also what? It's supplied there, right? Like in parentheses. Her husband also rises up. And he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Oh, ponder verses 10 through 12 and see the value of the godly woman. Ponder verses 13 through 27 and take note of the activities of the godly woman. Ponder verses 28 through 31 and notice the praise of the godly woman, and do not forget that the heart of it all is that the person, whoever you are, the person who truly fears the Lord will be blessed. The person who truly fears the Lord will be blessed. Now that blessing may look like Romans chapter eight, persecution and a very hard life. I just need to tell you that. The person who fears the Lord will be blessed. And for Christians, that will include suffering. This is the good life. This, now are you ready? So what? So what? Let's answer that question in multiple ways. James preached three weeks ago and he referred to himself, Pastor James, he referred to himself in the sermon as an older man and he said that he had uh, learned mostly from the King James Version of the Bible. And uh, I, I think the King James Version is a good version of the Bible and Hey, if you memorize scripture and that's what you do, then memorize scripture. That's a great thing to do. But let me use this language, if I may. First answer to the question, so what? What hath Proverbs to do with Jesus? That's the first thing. What hath Proverbs to do with Jesus? We are not this morning in a Jewish synagogue. We should not preach the Old Testament as though it is a book unto itself. No, while it is at least three-fourths of our Bible, 
it is three-fourths of the entire Bible. And so in a Jewish synagogue, you could preach this passage and you could really teach it really strong. But you would teach it, of course, in a Jewish synagogue in light of the fact that Jesus is not the Messiah. But Jesus is the Messiah. And the Savior of the world has come. And so I just want us for just a moment here, I just want us to pause and to keep the big picture in mind. Now listen to me. We've been looking at the book of Proverbs. What would you say? What is the book of Proverbs about? Don't answer out loud. But what's... what's What's the essence of the book of Proverbs? What's the essence of it? Well, it's wisdom, right? It's wisdom. If I've got this smart, I don't. It's James. You don't have to turn there. Listen, James chapter 3, verse 17. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason. We're thinking about how does the New Testament New Testament shed light on Proverbs. The wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. That's a great phrase, isn't it? In James 3, 17 and 18, the wisdom from above. I don't think I'd be doing any violence to the text if I say, who is the wisdom from above? Who is the wisdom from above? Well, it is the Lord Jesus Christ. What is the book of Proverbs about, and how does it bear on the New Testament? What's about wisdom? Do you know when you think about the Proverbs, what man that you should think of in the Old Testament? He's not the only guy in Proverbs. But Solomon, right? Solomon. And Matthew 12 says this, listen, the queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, something greater than Solomon is here. Do you know who said that? Do you know who said that in Matthew 12? Jesus said that. He said, you guys are in trouble because you are not responding appropriately to me. You're in trouble because you're rejecting me, Jesus said. And I tell you that something greater than Solomon is here. Jesus came as the incarnate Son of God, and He lived a perfect life. He walked among us. He died on the cross, bearing the very wrath of God that you and I deserve. Here is perfect wisdom. Here is full humanity and full deity, the God-man. Here is a life of love and wisdom like you and I would not know, except that we see it in the Gospels, a life of perfect righteousness. Therefore, if you catch my drift, and please do, a life that does not deserve to be stapled on a Roman cross. Why? Because he had done no wrong. Listen, my friend, unlike you and I, he had done no wrong. He was wisdom and is wisdom incarnate. And because it pleased God the Father to save his people by means of crushing his son, not only did we and the Jews and the Romans put him on the cross, but God his Father put him on the cross. And so he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so we read Matthew 12 and we hear Jesus say something greater than Solomon is here. And they killed the Lord of glory. They killed the, they killed. Perfect wisdom, wisdom incarnate. But that's not all. 
He died on the cross as the substitute for everyone who will ever repent and believe. Can I say that again? He died on the cross as the substitute for everyone who will ever repent and believe. And he was buried and he rose from the dead on the third day. He ascended to heaven and he is coming again. And the question for you is, do you know him? If you're a mother, do you know Jesus Christ, your wisdom? If you're a wife or not, or if you're not a woman, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you repented of your sins? Christy and I are reading a great book together by Wayne Grudem about the free grace movement. And it's simply Wayne Grudem pointing out that what is called free grace is actually cheap grace. It is those who would teach that you can have Jesus as your savior and live whatever way that you want. And the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says Jesus is so amazing that unless you find him so beautiful and you follow him with your whole life, then you don't know him. If you don't love him, if you don't see him to be infinite wisdom, then you may not actually know him. You must repent of your sins, repent of your own wisdom, and trust in God through Jesus Christ. Rest in him by faith alone. Look now, even now, look to the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Repent of your sins and trust in Jesus, the sin bearer. Our sins, they are many His mercy is more. Would you give me just one more minute to talk about this New Testament thing? And then the others will be quicker. Not only does Jesus himself say, hey, Proverbs, wisdom, Solomon, something greater than Solomon's here. It's me. But Paul would tell us that the very centerpiece of wisdom is the bloody cross of Jesus Christ. That's wisdom. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Here's what you need to do, my friend. You need to see in the bloody cross of Jesus Christ your only hope and your salvation, and you need to see that's wisdom. That's wisdom. 1 Corinthians 1, 24 and 25. The cross is the pinnacle of wisdom. It's the pinnacle of wisdom. Well, let's, uh, let's keep things on a very uh, polite and just surface level, and let's go to the next thing. What about women working outside of the home? I joke because obviously that's... We're here, here we'll get into really practical. If you want nitty-gritty, here we go. Does this passage, the first so what, so what... So what, number one, what hath Proverbs to do with Jesus? So what, number two, what about women working outside of the home? Does this passage uh, not raise this issue? And I'll spend a brief moment on this. If you think about this passage, maybe you might narrow the question. If you're a thoughtful Bible, if you're a thoughtful student of the Bible, you might ask the question, what about a godly woman who has young children? You might narrow the question that way, or you could keep it more general. What about a godly Christian woman who has children at home? What about uh, women working outside of the home? Doesn't this text kind of raise this question that we sometimes have? Well, if you ask that question of this text, Proverbs 31, 
What about Christian women, particularly in certain stages of life, working outside of the home? Then one immediate, obvious answer from this passage would be what? It's very clear that this woman is not confined to her physical home. Do you see? Now, I need to say more, and I'm going to say more, but let me say that. It's very clear that this woman is not physically confined to her home. I mean, you do not have to look very carefully to see that at all. I've already mentioned that one of the main things this passage speaks about is the economic benefit that she brings to her family. As soon as I say that, let me quickly say that what's going on here, I am convinced, I don't think you have to study this very hard, what's going on in Proverbs 31 with this woman working outside of the home is not what we see in America today. Not. For one thing, for one thing, you, you've got the New Testament, which is clear, um, uncomfortably clear on these things. What are you saying, John? Are you, are, you, are you saying never? No, no, no. Just go to the Word of God. The New Testament, like the Bible on so many things, can be uncomfortably clear. For another thing, if you were just to look at Proverbs 31 in itself, forget about the New Testament for a moment, which, can I say it again, is pretty clear on these types of things. Proverbs 31 not only shows her strong, her arms are strong, she's strong, that's the strong, strong, strong. She's not confined. She's not confined physically to the home. She is nevertheless, in Proverbs 31, radically home-centered. If all you had was Proverbs 31, then you could say she is radically home-centered. That, that's the baseline. That must be the baseline if we're faithful according to Scripture. Radically home-centered. But again, just look at the pa- Look what she does. Oh, and so many times, my dear sisters and husbands, I trust that I am not disarming you. So many times it is our spirit, right? What type of spirit do we have towards the word of God? And as I say, yes, I speak to the ladies, but I also speak to the husbands. I say it not to be overly clear, but because we must, we've been talking on Wednesday nights We need a Christian worldview. We need to think about contraception and alcohol and abortion and all kinds of things. Do we even think about those things as Christians? And I think it's not even Christians sometimes who point out the inconsistency of how we live, whether it be the manifold divorces among Christians, among professing Christians, or whether it be, as, as it has been said, paying another woman to look after your little children so that your wife can go work for another man, so that you can get a paycheck to pay the other women who are looking after your children. I don't say it to be heavy. I say it because we need to live, in a sense, in a countercultural way. I say it because this passage not only addresses women, but it addresses the family. It addresses men. And we've got problems with materialism. We say, you don't know, I can't keep up this type of lifestyle if I don't live this way. No, you can't. No, you can't. Number three, what about the family? What about the family? 
Well, let me uh, pull from Trimper Longman here. He's helpful here. And this is just the family and Proverbs. This passage clearly uh, addresses the family. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. This passage addressed, let me give you just a few quick things from Trimper Longman. What does Proverbs have to say to the family? Those like Proverbs, or those like Solomon in the book of Proverbs, insist on the importance of a strong, cohesive family, and they will not allow anything or anyone to erode the family bond. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. Proverbs also teaches about the family. The family is the locus for instruction. What does that mean? The family is the place of instruction. Therefore, you have to homeschool. No, that's not what it says. Nope. The family, however, regardless of childhood education, the family is the locus for instruction. Chapter 4, verses 3 through 4. Children must respect the teaching of their parents. Children, look at me. Listen to me. Honor your parents in the Lord. For this is right. This is good. Chapter 30, verse 17. Parents must discipline their children for their own good. Chapter 23 which does not always include corporal punishment, but if it never includes spanking, how does that go in line with the Bible and the book of Proverbs? Parents must model godly behavior. Again, he's talking about Proverbs and the family. Avoid immoral women, chapter 6. Cultivate a strong relationship with your wife, chapter 5. Be drunk with her love. Appreciate the joys of a good wife, chapter 18. Avoid the agony of a bad choice. Avoid the agony of a bad choice. Oh, this Proverbs 31 woman. I thought this was really funny. True story that I came across. A gifted single woman uh, signed up for a very good online matching dating service. It was a gifted single woman. He's on this reputable online matching service to help her find a life partner. All of the male responders would ask her one question. Are you a Proverbs 31 woman? After several such inquiries, she began to respond. I am. And are you a Proverbs 1-1 to 31-9 man? If you didn't catch that, her question is, are you a Proverbs chapter 1 verse 1 to 31 verse 9, man, you see one of the things that Proverbs 31, the woman of Proverbs 31 does, is it actually introduces to us this idea that God's wisdom is for all of the church, men and women. This is the first time in the book of Proverbs that the woman has been used as an illustration. Part of that is because it's written to young men. Right. I mean, you know, it's not sexist. It's just written to young men. And so the illustrations in the book of Proverbs have been male. But this is saying at the very end, it's saying, do not think that the wisdom of God is reserved for young men or for only men. No, no, no. In Christ Jesus, there is full equality. In Christ Jesus, there is full equality. And he says here in this crescendo at the end of the passage, he says, look at Ruth, if you will. Look at this illustration of the very thing I've been talking about in Proverbs. Let me give you an illustration of the main point of the book. The noble woman. The woman of valor. 
I'll close with this. By the way, um, I think it's Psalm 112. You don't have to look there, but if it's not Psalm 112, it's Psalm 12. There's a counterpart. There's a godly man passage in Scripture, just like there's a noble woman passage. Psalm 112 is the picture of the godly man. And I'll say it again, Proverbs 31 is not just about the Proverbs 31 woman. It's about husbanding, cultivating an atmosphere of encouragement in your family, speaking words of encouragement to your wife in front of your children. Praise God for godly women. Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah chapter 11, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. This is speaking ultimately about Jesus Christ. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear. I read that pretty quickly. Did you hear what it said? I'm convinced it's speaking ultimately about Jesus The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. What is Proverbs? What is Proverbs? Wisdom. What is wisdom? To fear God. To follow Jesus Christ. To repent of our sins and to place our faith in God through Jesus Christ. And you know what? Jesus is our pioneer in everything. Isaiah 11 says Jesus is the one who is wisdom incarnate, who feared the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. Maybe I've said some hard things. I don't know. Please talk to me. Don't let the illustration I gave earlier keep you from coming to me. Please, you will hurt me and not help me if you don't talk to me sometime, occasionally, at least from sermons. The sermon is not a conversation, but afterwards it certainly can be. But look, it is the Lord Jesus Christ. Proverbs 31 is about really living. It's about really living based on the fear of the Lord. And for Jesus, that was his delight. That was his delight to fear the Lord. And it's from that foundation that the family truly grows. Let's pray together. Lord, search us this morning and help us. Thank you for Isaiah 11, that Jesus is the one who delighted in the fear of you. Father, forgive us for our superficial joy in lesser things. Help us to live, we might use that old word, shalom, with true fullness through Jesus Christ, we pray in his name. Amen.